for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Now, there are a lot of successful elk hunters getting it done, some with different styles, tactics, and methods, because y'all, there are a lot of ways to punch that tag. But for us here at Elk Bros, here's our number one rule for consistent, long-term successful elk hunting. You have to create your own opportunities. For us, that means an aggressive style of hunting, but the term aggressive has different meanings for different folks. So what the heck do we mean when we say we hunt aggressive? On tonight's show, we cover the elk bros levels and progressions of aggressive elk hunting, what it is and what it is not, and how it's been a game changer for us. That discussion, some Elk Bros shout outs, and some questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm the host of your show, Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right. We got the one of the leaders of the Venezuelan Mafia with us from Katy, Texas. Luis <laughs> Gonzalez is in the house. And that's right. We have the living legend himself, R.C. Knox from Cuesta, New Mexico, in the house with us. And one of our top elk hunting 
Elk Bros coaches from Las Cruces, New Mexico, <laughs> E-Man, Eric Aragon. And that's right, in the house, lot large and in charge, from Cimarron, New Mexico, we have the ninja, Leroy Chavez. What's going on, fellas? What's hey. up, big O? Come <laughs> on, Beto, man. You're just kind of, you know, putting yourself lower and lower on that. <laughs> man, if oh, I can't I, make I had one you, happy, I, I can't make I one happy. I had you way up there, dude. And just know, like, man. it's just like you're regressing there. I know. Yeah. Man, I got yeah. a little bit of a sinus infection, fellas, so I'm a little off my game. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, we've heard you off your game before, man. But I tell you what, last episode, dude, you were you were just knocking it out of the park, man. I felt so much energy. And, you know, you, you mentioned one of our top coaches here. I have to give a shout out to Cole. Cole's out there grinding, trying to knock down deer and yotes and everything. Yeah, he's in – Where's he at, Joe? Somewhere uh, up in the Nebraska, Midwest? Nebraska. Nebraska. Oh, that's Nebraska. Right. Yeah, Nebraska. Nebraska muley hunting, right? Public uh, land muley hunting. Yeah. Almost got it done in the first hundred yards, from what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he had one on. He walked up to one at five yards. He was bedded and wow. popped up on him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a whack-a-mole, man. Well, yeah. Cole, Cole ain't used to him to being five yards from him. I promise. Oh, the sad thing is, is, you know, he was walking back to his truck. It was one of those when you least expect it type thing, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so we'll give you a I shout I think he out had a couple there. of times this year when he was elk hunting too, Joe, if he had just yeah. stayed by his truck, he'd have killed one. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I tell you what, man, uh, he shot a coyote and with yeah. his bow and putting that's a spot and stock on a coyote during the day. He's the man. That's, some, that's something else, man. That's, that's impressive. Impressive. Yeah. It's a big old yoke, too, in full bloom, too, man. He's got his yeah, winter coat nice on. Fur. Yeah. He's going to be beautiful, yeah. man. I hope he skins him out and, and uh, cherishes that rascal. That's a really nice uh, coyote he, he shot. So, guys, there's something that uh, that we wanted to talk about um, to let our listeners know, uh, and I'd like to get some reactions from our listeners on this as well. And, and, um, and, and for you guys out there, listen, we've already had our little board meeting here. <laughs> the meeting of, I mean, if we put all of us together, we can get one mind. <laughs> we can light the city of New York with all that electricity. Especially when Manano is not around, it's a lot easier to just concentrate and focus and just, you know, be, be intelligent about it. Oh, my goodness. The counselor is so, not invited. No, I, and I'll tell you what we were talking about is, is that, um, there's going to be some changes uh, with the podcast and, and it has nothing with our content. You're still going to, it's going to be us doing our thing. Um, we're going to stay in our lane. We'll do a little bit out of our lane here and there. You know, we got uh, Luis who's a, and Manano who are just daggum pig killers and they want to talk about that some, and we'll, we'll get a chance to do that. And I, t- you know, we got guys chasing deer and doing different things and we'll talk about, it. but this is always going to be elk bros. It's going to be about all things elk. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, what the goals of our podcast is and guys, like we've always said, man, our goal has always been to invite you into our elk camp and share our passion while coaching, inspiring, and showing you that anyone, and I mean anyone, no matter their age, income, shape, size, sex, or where you call home, if you are coaching, given the knowledge and helping developing your skill set, 
and the needed physical preparation and mindset required and the belief in yourself and your abilities that anyone can be a successful elk hunter. And we, that's what we try to do. That's where our passion is. And, you know, like we've said, this is our way of meeting together and sharing that information. And, and it's been really cool because we have been bringing other people into the fold. You get to meet some of our new coaches and that's going to grow, man, because where Oak Bros is going with elk coaches is so exciting. We got some things that are on the horizon of things that are going to be happening that, you know, it's going to be really exciting to talk about that. But for this show, for this podcast, for us, we always want to be real who we are and we want to provide something of value for you. Never going through the motions. And, and I know there's always going to be times, this is El Cunning, and we're going to get some of the same questions, you know, uh, each time as new people come into the fold, or we might get the same question in a different way, which is exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, but what we're looking at is because of the fact that really doing all this free content has, has really taken away our ability to work on some of our, our content that we have for our um, academy as well. So it, a lot of work y'all, goes into this show i mean yeah, yes a tremendous amount of work especially when you got manano on the podcast and joe's having to edit <laughs> everything <laughs> the two times that's the, the pot calling the kettle black joe i know <laughs> i can create just as much havoc oh you guys have fun yeah. doing it oh but then we have manano egging you on man it's oh like, yeah all the time uh, Eagle, <laughs> yeah. give us some language, language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. everybody wants the elk bros unplugged edition man that's all we'll find out if they do so really look for hey, our look listeners. it's our it's our goal to turn some of this into having some of our grinders in camp with us one day Absolutely. and they'll get that they will get that first hand you can ask <laughs> oh, the ceo oh rob canalis and the, the flatlander cole wilkes how he felt about that so it is a treat no doubt when these boys come uh with all of their splendor man it is quite the show and quite the scene and we have a great time in elk camp but like joe said this is what we want for our listeners to be in elk camp with us every podcast right yeah so what what our current plans are y'all is is that um as a um a schedule we're still going to release our show on Tuesdays, but we're looking at releasing this show bi-weekly. Now, um, there might be, and, and we're really hoping to do some shows with, um, if, if we get viewer questions and we get a load of those, we might have a show that we pop in with viewer questions. If we have, and you know, we really like to start doing some shows with some of our successful grinders out there or even some of our unsuccessful grinders out right. there to talk about those Near issues misses. that they had. And let's talk about where we can go with those. I think you learn just as much from that, Heck if yeah. not more than when everything goes right, you know, Heck but yeah. uh, we've got a lot of those people out there. So listen, y'all, you guys have been sending us emails and stories and stuff, you know, make sure you're sending your phone number because we're going to be giving you a call up and, yeah. uh, and we're going to be sticking you in here and, and be ready. Hope you come with some thick skin. Cause these boys <laughs> <laughs> this group, you better have it. 
Yeah, because no Chav is notorious, man. I'm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives you the yeah, hardest behind time. the scenes, man. Yeah. Behind the scenes, yeah. <laughs> just never no. know. You so bet. we're looking at going bi-weekly, and that doesn't mean that, and especially um, <laughs> now as we hit November, December, January, and most of you guys are really, and, and that's when we see a lot of the listens going down and downloads because people are spending time with family, man, and, and the there's woods. a lot of things going on. We get that, and we're going to be going through that as well. So it gives us uh, opportunity to ensure that we're giving you quality content. That's always our goal. If it gets to the point where we're just here, just Wah, wah, wah. And this part yeah, and, of the show, what's that, bud? Yeah, and we want to hear from you guys. Absolutely. You guys, if y'all, we'd like to have your input on our content. And, and you know, even it's, even it's uh, readability. I mean, if you guys feel like, that, you know, we need to step it up in an area or whatever, we want to hear from you. Don't mean we're going to do it, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, we want to take that in, in into account because, you know, without our grinders, we ain't got anything. You well, know, today's so. show, today's show, Gilbert, was inspired from me talking to one of our listeners, man. Right. And, and that listener asked a question that told me, we didn't explain this well enough, man, it, yeah. that some people mm-hmm. just don't get it in the perception of the word aggressive and what that means, you know, mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, can be different from the reality. And, and we wanted to make sure. So it came from our listeners. Yeah. You know? and, and Joe, when Joe, when I saw the topic and we, we talked about it even beforehand, I got two or three scenarios that happened this year that are aggressive scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. That you couldn't have got it done without being the one we did get it done and one we didn't get it done. Right. So without being aggressive. So it was, uh, it's some fantastic content that our listeners are going to get tonight, Joe. Yeah. So just look for that in the future. And we'd like to hear from you. Um, you we'd like to hear from you on, on how you're feeling and, you know, uh, we always talk about reviews and ratings. And to me, when I see that, you know, we haven't gotten a review or any reviews in a number of weeks, it shows me that maybe we're not doing what we need to do. And guys, we're not going to be on here just uh, just to fill airspace for you. We're not here. We know that your time's valuable. We know that you want to uh, um, be with us in Elk Camp and learn something yeah. from that. So that that's our goal. So I just wanted to get that out there, Gilbert. And we wanted to talk about in the future and we're going to have lots of other stuff to talk about in the future, but we need our listeners to know that this show is about you guys. Um, you can tell that from our shout outs, the things that we've kept in here. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, needs, uh, misunderstandings, uh, shortcomings, blank areas in your hunting skill set. Send that stuff in. Ask us those questions. Be part of this so that we can help not only you, but help other people out there as well. Absolutely. A great segue into uh, our shout outs. Joe, you guys know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros shout outs. If you're new to our show, this is just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Here we go. This top listening city at the base of the Rocky Mountains 10-mile range is known for its world-class skiing, year-round alpine activities, and gold rush history. It was founded in 1859 and named after a local prospector. The International Snow Sculpture Championships are held here every January, where sculptors from all over the world create works of art from 20-ton blocks of snow. 
It also hosts the Winter Dew Tour featuring the biggest names in extreme snowboarding and skiing. And this is in Breckenridge, Colorado. Breckenridge. Yeah. <laughs> Breckenridge, Colorado in the house. Beautiful ski city. Uh, how, how, town. how big would 20 ton block of snow be? <laughs> <laughs> That's big. big is my super house duper, super duper big i know a gallon of water weighs eight pounds and yes. i and i know how much snow it takes to melt just to get a gallon of water so i'm like holy toledo man it, i i, I <laughs> that's got to be one heck of a sculpture it's actually 8.33 joe oh 8.33 oh, well, pounds there's <laughs> the engineer <laughs> where's manano when you Action. need him man we need somebody with some intelligence yeah. on here <laughs> joe this next list top listening city founded in 1890 this city was named in reference to a gold rush in canada it attracted immigrants from the czechoslovakia and moravia and became known as the Czech capital of Oklahoma. It served as the urban center for the area farmers and the site of a large milling operation. It received national media attention in 1949 because of plight of Grady Cow, who was stuck in a silo for over four days. Oh my it's also host to a Western Rock the Route Festival, a Czech festival, and the Chisholm Trail and Crayfish Festival, and none other than Yukon, Oklahoma. Yukon. Yukon, Oklahoma. Oklahoma in the house. Go, go Yukon. Not this, it's also the home of Southern Nazarene College, who uh, my daughter plays against in the GAT conference. So, so oh, cool. who, who whips who? Who whips who, bro? Man, just depends on every year. But last year, uh, OBU got the best of them. So it was oh, pretty good. Yeah. I wonder if that Ornelas athlete had anything to do with that. Uh, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> she's a leader joe <laughs> absolutely man no yeah, the doubt. city of yukon knows a really pretty place man uh i like I, the city I, i've always wanted to hunt moose in yukon man think me I can too find that's there? a little further north up there oh. joe just a slight, <laughs> slight, slight, a little bit further north I, I can't go to oklahoma then find me a moose <laughs> no <laughs> no moose in yukon okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe at the local tavern or something like that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what's uh, Brums? Is that the ice cream place that has? Uh, they they have a they have one of the mooses there that move and stuff like that. I think <laughs> is, that's yeah. where you'll find the moose up there. <laughs> so uh, next up, this city was named after the area's first permanent settler, a full-blooded Lower Creek Indian from Kashita Band from. She town in Alabama. In 1850, he established a trading center near the meeting uh, of the Polycat and Rook Creeks. The main industry started with walnuts, then went to uh, pressed brick. It evolved to clay products and then glass manufacturing. It became known as the Crystal City of the Southwest. Historic Route 66 ran through the city, and it is home to the world's tallest, and this is 74 feet, huh. antique replica of a gas pump in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Two top cities from Oklahoma in a in row. In the house. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. Holy Yes, sir. Joe, Oklahoma. they got an elk herd. Don't they have an elk herd out west? 
in western Oklahoma and those little uh, ridge mountains they have out towards that way? So there, there are elk in Oklahoma because I know that um, um, AMP uh, are, are flying ace from, from yeah. their force buddy. Uh, uh, and I thought it was at the Panhandle area, right? Yeah, it I'm may not, be, yeah, out yeah. in western. Yeah, because they have them on, they have little, them on base some, there. Yeah, there's yeah. some little mountains out there that uh, I think they've got a herd of them on for sure. Yeah, it and it's a whole different, you know, I mean, they're lower hills and stuff like that. So, yeah, but they absolutely have some elk in there. So, Pulpa, man. Anybody been to Sepulpa? Have you been there, Gilbert? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. yeah, that's the wrong question to ask, Eric. Come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a wild <laughs> over. Been better, right? <laughs> no, it's just outside of the town of Bixby. Gilbert's like the Washington, George Washington of the of the country, dude. Man, yeah, their man, sign man. says "Big O slept here." <laughs> <laughs> Big O was here. Yeah, Big O's mm-hmm. everywhere, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's just outside well, of Tulsa, there, buddy. So. Yeah. Well, let's see if you've been to this city, Gilbert. This city's part of the Kansas City metro area, and it's about 20 miles from Westport, Missouri, and it's where the start of the Santa Fe Trail originated. And it meanders from this area and on its way to just a place up north from me, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So the name's a derivative of the name Nanexe, the name of the Shawnee Chief Thomas Blackhoof's wife. So the widow signed a treaty back in 1854, and she turned over 1.6 million acres of that Shawnee reservation wow. to the U.S. government. So in June, it hosts a great barbecue battle, which sounds really good. And it's also home to the Kansas State Championships as well. It's known as the spinach capital of the world. I mean, this place is the, is the birthplace of Garmin, right? It used to be called Napro. Yeah. And it's, I mean, people who have been born or lived there, Famous people, historians, boxers, I mean, WWE wrestlers, gymnasts, football tight ends. Wow, Bill Hickok was from there. Get um, out of here. Soccer midfield. Yes, uh, Paul Rudd, the famous actor, Lucas Rodriguez, a soccer midfielder. I mean, people from America's Got Talent. Uh, just an unbelievable place. But here's a big elk bro shout out to Lenexa, Kansas. Lenexa, Lenexa, Kansas. I think we got a designated. Yes. I think we got a designated uh, top listening cities from now on, man. I think <laughs> I think Eric's got it. I think he, he needs to. I think he needs to read them all, man. He just made it sound so freaking. Nice. It's like he knew this place. Oh, you man, know. It's a cool place. Freaking Never awesome. Never been there, but I want to. Yeah. Yes. So I grew up. I say I grew up. I lived in a little town called Overland Park, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Yeah, it's City, right next to And the next exactly. is right below it. Yeah, it's just south. Yeah, sure is. That's just awesome, dude. You're just like a Google champion, there, Eric. That's what Definitely. Wikipedia does, buddy. Yeah, man. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty slick, pretty quick. Our last city is a part of the Charleston metro area, was established in 1961, the year I was born, but had a long history dating back many centuries. In the 1670s, the year R.C. was born, the native Etowan Indians <laughs> moved to the area seeking protection from rival natives to live among the plantations of early settlers. The early settlers were referred to as Goose Creek men as they inhabited the area along Goose Creek. Most of the naval weapons station in Charleston is located here. 
This is the Atlantic Fleet's loadout base for all nuclear ballistic missile submarines. At its Mm -hmm. peak, 2,500 nuclear warheads were stored and maintained here and guarded by a U.S. Marine Corps security force. And that's in Goose Creek, South Carolina. Wow. That's a bunch of WMDs right there, brother. Mm-mm. Yeah. You got the right crew guarding that stuff. You got the Marine Corps, man. You don't no want doubt. to mess with them, boys. No. no. Negative goes right. <laughs> man, <laughs> pattern's full. Say, <laughs> say that so they can hear it in the back, Gilbert. Yeah. Negative ghostwriter. all right guys man uh thanks to all of our top listening cities there man from all over the place oklahoma kind of took over colorado at the top of the list man and and my home state of south carolina coming out so thank you guys man um today's topic joe i just wanted to say i think it's the first week in maybe two years that washington was not in our top listening cities hey Washington, where you at? Where's the West West Coast with the most? Oh my goodness, man! Well, you know what it is—is all them fellas are hunting. Exactly. I'm sure they're all in the woods. They're all in the woods, man. All Mm -hmm. out there hunting right now. So we were going to talk about today's topic. Like I said, it actually came from a listener out there, and you know, some of the questions that I was getting showed me that people. Take the term aggressive. Like if I say that we hunt aggressive, well, it was like they felt like we go around screaming challenge boodles. You know, it's just that <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much what it's about is that, you know, we go out, we locate, we get an answer and Wah! we scream a challenge bugle, man. You get aggressive right away. And and maybe when, when I first started doing it, <laughs> I yeah, did. You know, way. Joe, I mean, when you first starting out calling, you don't really know what you're saying. You know, you just know you're making an elk sound. Uh, so, again, uh, it's so important for you to understand the language. Well, you know, can't, and can't say that enough. The thing I wanted to point out, though, is our aggressive style of hunting is not just about the calling. man. No doubt. No it, doubt. It, it has to do with so many different things. It has to do with the way that we locate um, some move. of the things that we do to inject rut activity, mm-hmm. uh, the different times of the day, or even the fact that sometimes we've stayed with herds at night, you, you know, all the way through till the next day. These are aggressive acts. In other words, I, I think the best way, if I was to say our most basic and simple terms of what I mean by aggressive, it means that we are aggressive in creating like you said earlier, in creating an opportunity, we do not wait for things to happen, you know? Uh, So you can take in any area of that. Like I, like I said before, you can, in our calls, we're, we're not passive in our calling. Um, uh, How we react to a response. (laughs) If we hear an elk, we are not passive in any way, gauge or form, man. Um, And like, if we are in position, in fact, this is not just archery, it's in rifle. It just happened with, uh, with, uh, my client I was guiding this weekend is that we had a group of elk that came flying out in front of us, going through some trees, heading down a hill. And man, what we did was an aggressive move. We jumped on that, went into those trees, cow called immediately. They stopped out in that opening there. Not sure because of the way things got spread out. They weren't sure 
oh, was that a lead cow calling us back in? Because I did a regathering muse out there, did some real long stuff. Next thing you know, we're setting up with a 140-yard shot. And, and here now, as the elk are moving, he only has a window, right? Just yeah. a window at 143 yards. Well, as elk are going through, most people are going to let them walk and either take a shot when they're walking or they're out in and out the window and they don't get a shot opportunity. Not us, man. I'm aggressive. So when yeah. I see that elk get in that window, yeah, yeah, I stop it, right? You know, if that's not the one and then they walk out, I stop yeah. them. I stop sure. four different elk in that window before we yeah. popped one. So right. even with the rifle, you can get aggressive in that way. And, and yeah. you know, go ahead, Gilbert. No, I just was going to harken back to uh, an awesome hunt that I had with the ninja, Leroy Chavez, I'm a, truly a ninja we had a really cool hunt on an evening hunt where, you know, we, we had, we were in the middle of a herd of elk and being, being aggressive was our mode, no doubt getting in the middle of it. But we knew that if we were going to say anything, they were going to detect our presence. Right. So we were so in tight with them that we just kept moving as they moved feeding from us. We just kept, we had the wind in our face and we just started dogging them. And once we got up in there amongst them, Joe, we, we were in there so tight. We had, we had elk at 12 feet from us. Right. And Mm -hmm. when you say about being aggressive or being passive, okay. Even with our calling in that point, those bulls got a little whiff of us and they got real nervous. Right. And they, they started like they wanted to go away. Well, if I didn't know what I knew and what didn't have such good teaching, I turned my bugle tube up from under me and just made the softest little cow chirp right away from us. And man, they all settled down after that. They were like, Oh, wait, man, there's a cow over there. And we had a barrier in front of us too. Joe, right. Right. So you talk about being aggressive, the aggressive nature was to even call to them after they'd gotten kind of freaked out. So, right? so where's the irony in that situation? I mean, if we shut up, we do nothing. If we shut up, they leave. Right. So if you don't try to create your opportunity and get them back to you, we actually had to call them across a barrier to make that happen. And they are nervous as heck. You can ask Chab. I mean, they were very, very nervous because they knew something wasn't right. And they should be seeing an elk over there, but they're not yet. But these bulls were younger bulls with an older bull with them. And the older bull didn't have, he didn't want no part of it. Right. But then younger bulls were, we were aggressive enough with our passive calling that it sparked your soft calling interest. Yeah. With your soft. Exactly. Yeah. Soft calling. Soft calling. I wouldn't say a passive calling. I would say it's soft, but I never let them rest. Every time they'd act like they wanted to go somewhere else, I'd hit them with something, right? right? To get them to come back. And, once we got them to right where we thank God they made the decision when they did, cause we were running out of light, but have we not tried to create that opportunity, Joe, and be no. aggressive. We'd have been watching them on the other side over there the rest of the night. See, that's, that's the point right there though. That, that is such an awesome example yeah. because most people, it, it almost, it sounds ironic. It sounds opposite that right. you, that you're calling, you said, I made a soft cow call. That's being aggressive. Most yeah. people do not associate a soft cow call with being aggressive, it, sure. but it's not the call. It's not about the call. It's not about the emotion. It's not about that. It's about the action of doing something to create to the an opportunity, opportunity. Mm-hmm. where yeah, a lot of people wouldn't. They would stay 
passive yep. and, and let them animals walk out of their life. One of the things we call aggressive as well is when we, when we decide to close the gap and close the distance really fast in, yeah. in order to get, you know, to a position well, where we do. feel I do we it can slow, but y'all do it fast. Well, well, but I mean, just regardless, it's, you know, it's actually closing the gap versus sure. staying sure. back there yeah. and, and waiting for the elk to just kind of make a move miles away. You know, I've I mean? learned it's anything just, from Joe. I've learned you got to blow it up to make it happen. Right. You got to risk. You got to risk the biscuit. Risk right? blowing it up. Yeah. yeah. Risk blowing it up to make it happen, man. And uh, and when it does blow up, you got options. You got options. You can stop that animal. Right. By being aggressive, by not staying shut up and worrying that you're going to run him out of the country. You can stop that animal if he boogers. Right. Because he don't really know that's you. You know, he don't, he just knows that something is awry. And, yeah. and when he hears another elk sound, he's going to stop. It happened to me and RC and Brendan this year. If I don't say a word, that bull runs out of our life. He runs clean out of our lives. If I don't say a word. And if we don't try to get an arrow knocked up, ain't none of us going to get a shot at that bull. You know, so Gilbert, he's 18 things, yards from us. One of the things I learned this year is like, it's amazing how much you can get away with different calls. Yes. As long as there isn't movement. So right. I think, I think they're more sensitive to movement than anything else. So, but if you're not moving and, and you're calling and you're like the stuff you can get away with is, is, is crazy. I mean, you know, my, my bull, now, for example, this year, I, I missed you go, Before you go to your bull, you mean movement when you're in sight of the animal? When, when you move and the animal gets to see, see. you moving. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. That'll so, send them in orbit. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's not all really, yeah, no. Well, yeah. But I mean, I feel that you can get away with a lot more on the calling side than on the movement. I mean, to me is like, they, they don't like movement if they don't understand it. Now, right. obviously it's better yeah, if you have a decoy, are moving <laughs> on them, uh, but, but with the cat, with the calls, it's like, don't, don't be afraid to be aggressive even with passive calls or not passive, but soft calls, don't be afraid to be aggressive by using a lot of soft calls um, because you, you can get a lot away with a lot more than you think. Sure. I guess that's my point. You know, RC was standing right next to me and, and uh, that bull was going to run clean out of our lives. And, you know, I cal we cow called to him, maybe three or four times. And he heard that. And man, I mean, he was like, Oh, Whoa, I'm missing the party. You know, Whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm missing the party. And he turned broadside and that was it, man. That's the only, that's the only shot we were going to get at him. And, you know, RC, you can hear it in the video. When Joe puts it out, you guys will, you guys will check it out. RC's like, I'm not taking that shot. It's too far, you know? And, uh, you know, we sent it anyway. And, uh, I got the opportunity to be out in front. Brennan was still on the right side of everything and just not on the good side. But I'll tell you one thing, camera A showed up, you know, he <laughs> had his camera out in the middle of that and, and got the shot, got the, got the kill the whole nine yards. And, but again, we were in a real passive state cause we had just set up and made a real aggressive calling sequence on huh, RC. Yeah, we've just been in two different places, setting up, making real aggressive calling sequences. So, so take, now I'm interrupting because when sure. you say doing a real aggressive calling sequence, other people make hearing this, and this is why we're doing this show. Sure, are thinking that 
you're screaming a whole bunch of challenge bugles, right? No. That, uh-uh. I mean, you're being aggressive, right? You're doing mm-hmm. challenge bugles. What do you no, mean? We, we set up a rut scenario, right? right. right. A bull with a cow who's displaying for a cow and he's raking and, and stuff like that. And that's what that bull was initially coming in to find. By you mean, what you mean by aggressive, it's just being simply being vocal. They're just, right. just, just calling a lot. Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean to be an aggressive call. It's yes. just calling a lot. It, it means you know? he's in a situation where most people are not hearing elk. So they're not thinking saying there are no elk. Right. And they're all they're doing is continuing to move through the woods. And instead he took an aggressive stance by trying to create an opportunity by him injecting a rut into the area and so that other animals can hear that and they can come to him instead of all of us always having to do a locate and go to them. Right. We don't have to. It's like it's the same thing, man. It's like your wife shopping in Walmart, man. You keep you can walk around them aisles all day. Trust me. I mean, I put friggin' miles on trying to find my wife, man. But if you if <laughs> if you yell for her, you go, "There's a half off sale over here." I, that woman's gonna come. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blue light special. Yeah. 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 No, so, Joe, yeah, as cool. a rookie, you uh, know, as, as a what? As a rookie. As a rookie. Yeah. Newbie. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just busting on you, dude, man. I know. I know. That's why I had to look for a synonym. Uh, uh, <laughs> we got straight educational on you there. That's dude. right. That's hey, right. That's so right. Uh, I want you to hold your newbie rookie rookie thing there, and uh, because Eric, you were going to say something a little while ago. Uh, I wanted to hear what that was. Um, yeah, I mean that term aggressive years ago for myself would have meant exactly what Gilbert was talking about. It would have been me screaming bugles, challenging everything that I heard. Because yeah. um, you didn't know what you were op- saying. Yeah. I didn't know what I was saying. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When I, I had this kid that I met from Farmington that was on the last show, Bryce, he, we, we invited him to hunt with us for three days because he was mm-hmm. by himself, didn't have a lot of experience. And as we went through the first day, that's the one question I asked him. I said, okay, uh, Tell me what you're seeing. What are you thinking? How does this differ from what you're doing? He's like, I can't believe how aggressive you are. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean by that? He said, right. I said, do I seem like I'm over aggressive in my calling. He goes, no, no, I don't mean that. Cause I, you're always explaining to me about why you're doing it, but you're like relentless. You you're covering a lot of ground and you're, you, you do a lot of scenarios. And so what I had to explain to him, I said, yeah, um, what I call aggressive, I think it's more me just being very active in how I execute my tactics daily. Yeah. Because when I'm coming out here, I'm using Agreed. my, I'm using my maps. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm using, I was using the Intel he was giving me about sure. where we were finding elk sign. So it's just, I'm very active in executing my plan. Even if it means we're going to sit down and have lunch. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm just super active about working that, Cause I have confidence in it, you know, yep. and me too. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of hit and miss with it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think with that, it's just when I think aggressive, yeah, I'm, I'm aggressive. I'm, I'm, I'm chasing it, but I'm very active just in my approach and how and, I and you're, feel about it. You're absolutely right that there's going to be a lot of hit and miss, but it the is. difference is it's not going to be a lot of miss and miss. Right. Do you follow no, me with I, that? I think if we don't do what we did this year in Colorado, yeah. Joe, we not near as successful. You don't see anything, those, bro. Because those right. bulls were not going to talk 
in the mornings to really necessarily tell you where they were. You had to take it to them. Yeah. And uh, and and I we learned real quick with the mafia, you know, giving us the story and the scoop and what what everything RC and I saw every morning uh, working with elk and, and in in the absence of elk. Uh, and then when I, the first evening that I called a bull in for RC, it was us being aggressive as heck calling. And I called in another bull and some cows behind us, behind me, that when I turned around, they scared the crap out of me. Uh, but I knew then I went, cling, the old fishing, you know, uh, part of Gilbert goes, ding. All right, man. Now I know it's all about presentation. It's got nothing to do necessarily about area because there's elk in this area. It's about presentation, right? And it's about us putting our feet together and doing, taking care of the miles that we need to go in those areas where they like to be because they are pressured. And then us speaking the language and curiosity killed the cat for those bulls they all want to find cows right at that time of year that breeding sequence and so um for me it was a big light that went on and and i'm sure look you know i've hunted a million times with rc he didn't call as much i'm sure he probably felt like calling overload with me you know uh, or maybe he felt like he was hunting with joe i mean i i don't know but at the end of the day (laughs) i i did know that that's the way joe hunts and that's the way I hunt now is we're going to get in there and make as many opportunities as we can to get something to talk. And if we do get something talking or we do put eyes on a herd of elk, they're in serious trouble, you know, yeah. uh, because of our aggressive nature, we are not going to sit back and wait on the elk. We are going to take it to them every day. And yeah. I, I think for our listeners, if you substitute the word active for aggressive, they'll have an idea what, yeah. what you're all talking about. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, I think Eric hit that on the head. We and are persistent. Acting, we are acting instead of reacting. Yes, is basically what is happening there. And now, Luis, you had some, and I'm going to talk about the word risk here in a second. But you mm-hmm. said something about a, a newbie. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, I said I just said something about it's amazing what you can get away with by you know, just being aggressive mm-hmm. calling. Um. But then at the same time, oh yeah, active. Uh-huh. But then at the same time, I um, I did learn this year how too much calling or calling at the wrong time may work against you, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I mean, it's a fine balance, right? And then it's just it's it's a hard one to explain unless you're kind of exposed to it and and see it firsthand. And for me, um. I think I think when you have the elk moving towards you within 30 40 yards yeah you stay quiet until that animal really hangs up and then you have to do something about it but you stay quiet until I, I I'm sorry dude it just depends I got to throw the word depends in there cuz I've been in too many situations when they're that close and either uh I've got my only opportunity to draw or I mean, like if you have one that's coming and walking through into a kill shot, yeah, there's, there's no reason for you to say anything unless you need to stop them, you know, if you're already drawn, but if you're not drawn, then you got to do something or you try to draw and then see how the reaction is. So that's where I'm saying is you got to kind of read the situation, read their, read their body language. Yeah. 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 I see that. And, and my example was, you know, we had this cow coming, right. And, and she was, 
she was coming on a string and uh i was like it up (laughs) no 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 no. i'm talking about my 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 cow right and uh so i she kind of just slightly stopped behind a tree but she was kind of grazing and she was comfortable Mm-hmm. And then I was too close and I threw a, a, another cow call, which she didn't like. And then she turned around and left. Right. So I was like, man, that was probably was it one a cow, cow call, man. Or was it one of them little uh, calico? Kid no, Manano, Manano's out, too quiet. <laughs> Manano was quiet. I told him not to say it or do anything. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it, it, it to your point, I agree. It's It depends. Right. But in this situation, I learned that, there is also a way to, hey, in that opportunity, I guess yeah. I was probably too aggressive or too active and yeah. it just kind of didn't work for me. But again, how many how many opportunities like that do we have during the during this trip? And there mm-hmm. were a lot, even though that the elk population wasn't up there as we thought it would be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and because we were hunt. active and you already sure. had an animal in there. It was just the decision making with the animal already close. And, and that happens a lot. You'd be surprised how many people I right. talk to that say they had an, an elk coming into, and they're already drawn or something. They, and they got an elk walking into the spot to be shot and they make a call that they don't need, you know? Yeah. Uh, never it, needed to say a word. I got to hunt it. with the, the awesome Joe Gillia one year. <laughs> and uh, watched him kill a bull and then we dive off the mountain at another bugle and and he calls in a bull for me and he wasn't a big bull it was a raghorn and uh that bull actually joe started calling and we could see the bull's legs walking towards us and he just kept coming man and joe shut completely up which you know he could have kept cow calling and everything else but joe never okay. said a word the bull he shut up which is not like joe but he shut up. And That's what my wife come. says too, dude. Yeah, yeah. Mine too, Joe. I got a big, big bad habit of running my big bazoo all the time. But, but listen, that bull was coming on a string. He knew there was a cow over there. Joe had already give her, give him one of them pleading cow calls and uh whiny, you know, noisy call, a uh, little butt contact buzz and hear that bull coming. He was not running. He was, we kind of trotting and then he started walking and he was looking for us. And I heard him kind of one time like that. And he was looking all over for us and the bull just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And he cleared some, he cleared some trees and then, you know, the bull steps out and offers a quartering uh, frontal shot to me. And Joe says, man, he's 40 yards draw. And I mean, the bull is looking past us. I draw the bull kind of looks at us. He says 40, and I think he was like 44. We sent it. Kesara bull falls within the sight of us. And uh, he dog piles me and about kills me, but we didn't have to say a word <laughs> other than when the bull was coming, you know, when he saw the bull's legs hopping and, and, and crow hopping towards us, he just sent out that little contact buzz. And that was it. That bull had to come see what it was, but our setup was key there, right? The bull couldn't see real good past us. So he knew once he, 
you know, it was thick in there. So he had to keep coming to find that elk, you know. So setup was key, but our aggressive nature bailing off to him was even more key. And then knowing when to shut up was the the perfect thing because Joe could have kept calling and he'd have just stood there in that thick stuff looking for the elk, right? And I'm, I'm almost 100% certain that's exactly what would have happened. We're going to talk about being active in your setup. So yes. Chab's done a great job of giving us a word to replace there that people understand a little bit. And I think we got to do that a lot. And I even got to do it in the academy is, is talk about the word active over aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and we tell people like when we talk about our defense in, on a basketball team, you know, we want that defense to be an active defense, but not just moving the feet. We want them moving forward. Or we want sure. them taking action. Right. Impressive. So that's where we get that term aggressive from we tell them be aggressive you know reach for that ball make a steal and so those are the same things that we want out of our athletes out of our hunters out there is we want you to reach out we want you to make a steal when yeah. most people would have just stood back and and not Waited. done that right mm-hmm. they wouldn't put themselves in position they wouldn't draw back the bow they wouldn't have they wouldn't um, knock an arrow yeah, exactly. They wouldn't move around in front of that tree. You know, they, they wouldn't do those things Absolutely. that would give them their shot opportunity. Absolutely. Bingo. But I want to talk about that word risk because it goes right into this. And right. I want all of our hunters to understand something. To take no risk, no reward. 100. No right. risk, no reward. So we always talk about not only creating your opportunities, but taking advantage of those opportunities or pressing the odds. And again, you know, if you like Gilbert mentioned, if you have an animal and you are behind that tree or you were in a setup and you thought animal is going to come through lane a, but now the animal has turned is coming through an unexpected area where you don't have a shooting lane. You have choices here. Your choice is to be passive and to stay there. So you don't spook that animal. And let that animal walk out of your life, right? So what is your chance of killing that animal if you make that passive choice? Zero. Zero. Zero, right? Okay. Or you make and you take a risk, you make an aggressive, active move, and you take a step to ensure a shooting lane where that animal is going to be. Now, here's the things that could happen. That animal could come in there. You're at draw. You shoot that animal and you kill it. Boom. We just, man, we are successful now. Or you make a move there and that animal blows up, turns and goes running out of your life. Now what you've done is at least you've given yourself the opportunity to make the kill. You've gone from zero chance to anywhere from 50% to 100% chance, right? Right? You've just yeah, I mean, we watched it inf- unfold from us. We boogered that elk how many times, RC? Three times before he left the, the vicinity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most time, we, definitely. <laughs> we boogered that elk three times. He he caught us three times doing stupid stuff. I mean, but we had to. If we don't do anything, he'll walk out of our life anyway, right? So, I mean, it, look, when I'm telling you he was inside of 20 yards from us, and he is drinking and chewing on uh, algae and everything else. And he don't even have a clue we're there. You have got, and in that instance, neither one of us had, none of us had an arrow knocked. 
So you got to knock an arrow to even Absolutely. get a shot at drawing, right? So both RC and I, with Brendan's bow on the ground, he's on the camera, both RC and I are fumbling. And look, we're nervous, right? Because we got this bull right where we want him. You know, I mean, he is leg extended, quarter and away at 18 or less, 17, 18 yards. I mean, it is a slam dunk, right? And and look, RC's got the line. I got a, I have a aspen tree in the kill, but I'm still going to try to get my arrow knock. If RC gets the arrow knock first, I'm telling you, it's over, right? And he does get an arrow knock. But when he goes to try to draw that arm rubbing on the back of that aspen, that was it. That's all that bull could handle. Right. After the third time, I heard him looking up at us while we're clanging around trying to get an arrow knock. But listen, guys, I'm telling you straight up, if we don't risk that, we never get a shot at that bull. Absolutely. And then the bull, then the bull finally decides, I've had enough. These fool, I don't know what that is over there in them aspen trees. But we were smart enough not to have ourselves wide out in the wide open. We had some backdrop in there with us on the downwind side of where we needed to be if he was going to come in. And when he took off running, the I always have a reed in my mouth, man, the whole time I'm elk hunting. So when that bull took off, and yeah, 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 man, and I mean, he ran out there, turned broadside pretty as you please. I got a gift from – I thought he was 50. Brendan told me 53. And, I mean, he don't get 53 out of his mouth good before the arrow is gone, man. Yeah, and and we center punched him at 53, watched him fall. Dude, it was a glorious occasion. But I'm telling you, I don't have the training that I have with these elk assassins that I hunt with. RC knocks on my shoulder. Chav with me every year. Joe with me, you know, helping me getting aggressive teaching me that number one, you got to get your fat ass in the gym and lose some weight so you can <laughs> chase these critters. If I don't do those aggressive things in my nature, I'm not going to be successful elk hunting because I really suck at just standing by watching. How I'm just not people, good at it. How many people would have seen that elk running and, and number one, never drawn because the elk is running away. Right. Uh, and, and the best thing you did was if you drew, you gave yourself an opportunity by cow calling, by uh, being active and taking a proactive sound out there, you stop him, you're at full draw, you hit, find out 50, dead bull. Where in most cases, in a lot of cases, that's a done bull. Oh, last hunt, so my, spike, my spike last year, right? <laughs> I mean, he was coming straight at me mm -hmm. and – you know, it was a point where I was like, okay, I have a plan. I know he's focused on yo on Joe behind me. And then he's wanna he's gonna walk right in front of me and then I can draw as he passes and I can shoot him quartering away. But then obviously Manano screws it up. And uh <laughs> he's watching the phone. Call. He doesn't know he doesn't know the spike is coming. Mm. The spike gets spooked. When the spy gets spooked, I just took that opportunity to draw. Yeah, man. And then yeah. when I drew, he got spooked yeah, even man. further. He's like, oh, my God, I just what was that? But then the cow call was thrown, and he stopped at 30 yards, and I was already at full draw, ready to oh, shoot. Damn. I could have very easily not drawn because I felt like I didn't have a shot. Sure. And, and then when he spooked, he could have just simply ran away and never stopped. But – you know, by just 
taking the risk of doing those extra things and just kind of taking the opportunity to draw and you know that that yeah. that's I think what we're trying to say is what we call aggressive or active, active. and then, being active in active. that draw right being active in your draw that's what got you to kill if you don't draw you don't ever kill that animal we say that a thousand times Joe you have to draw and that's being active okay drawing your bow is the number one activity you got to do before we can loose that arrow if you right? don't draw the bow nothing gets shot exactly Two, two years ago, three years ago, Joe and I are on a mountain with an eight-minute standoff with a bull staring straight at us. I mean, he is staring a hole through us for eight solid minutes frontal at 35, 38 yards, you know, and he is frontal the whole time. When the bull finally decides to turn to give us a broadside, not only do I have to draw, but I have to step out beside of an aspen tree to even loose the arrow. I cannot draw and just shoot him because when he turns, he actually puts that aspen tree that was to his right in the kill zone. So I have to step out and shoot the bull, right? I'm telling you guys, you got to risk it. And when the cool thing is I got another guy with me, but I could have done it all myself. If I bugle or if I scream at him, we're going to stop him again. And he's going to look back at us. They have that fatal flaw, right, Joe? Absolutely. They're always going to stop and look, man. I said that I, I must've said that 30 times this last week guiding, because every time we spooked a cow or a bull, I, I, I would say to my hunter, watch fatal flaw. Every time they would stop once they got in the trees and turn broadside, man, yeah. every time just to see what it was that had spooked them. Yeah. I was going to say too, I think, um, you know, just from my own experience on the aggressive part, I think depending on your, your demeanor, right. You're maybe you're not, I'm an aggressive person. I'm a real type a, you know, right? I'm just going to run through everything. You may not be that kind of person, but look, you just got to remember, I think, and you have to get your mind in a place where make sure you're, you're prepared, right? When you're coming hunting, you're mentally, you're physically, all those things, you're ready to go. Just accept the fact you're going to make a lot of mistakes out there. They're just going to happen. Okay? Yeah. It, it, some of it may be. And it's fault. okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's totally you're okay. You're going to learn but, by every one of them. Yeah. And where I'm going with that, though. It's a lot of times, and I did this, is I would make a mistake, and then I would just, it would, oh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. You would be I better for it. it. Yeah. Dwell, yeah. You would dwell I, on it. Yeah. Dwell on it. Exactly. And then, and then it's in your head, and then mm -hmm. it's not going to do you any good. And then I read, a, I read a quote years ago, and I'm a big baseball nut, right? But who had the most hits in baseball? Ty Cobb. No, Pete Rose. Or Pete Rose. Pete Rose, yeah. Yeah. He had like 5,000 some hits. Right. Who has the most outs in, who has the most outs in baseball? Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete Rose, exactly. Cuz he swung. So, it. Yeah, you got to swing. You got to swing, man. You yeah. got to try to get those hits. So, if you're that kind of person that, you know, don't let it wear you down. You'll learn from it. Clear your mind and just keep going. You know, I I blew opportunities this hunt. I blew an opportunity to kill a really nice bull because I got over aggressive. It had been four days. I hadn't seen an animal. I actually had to pack out of an area, pack into a new area, finally locate him, bull screaming. He's got cows. I'm putting the, the Mohican sneak on him. I'm moving in on him. I, I quit calling at a point where I was at. I get, you know, I get that tunnel vision. I get busted by two cows. 
So what did I do? I tried to call those cows to me. So I did a couple of uh, cow mews, went right into a, a bugle. As soon as I did that, he screamed at me. He was mad. So I, I knocked an arrow and I went at him. I mean, I was going so fast. I got between some bushes and I face planted. I mean, I... And I even turned around and looked at my, it almost, it almost knocked me, it, yeah, it almost knocked me out. I mean, you fell I down? Oh, I fell face first, man. I just, oh, I've done that. Me. It pisses you off, too. Yeah. yeah. Makes you, mad, brought, you know, brought it on the bow. I'm like, it took me a while to get up. And I turned to my partner. I said, hey, did you get that on tape? Are you recording it? He's like, oh, dude, I didn't. I said, oh, I was going to put that on the elk bros, dude, because this is what you don't do. And I, I ran that bull off. That was my opportunity to kill him. Yeah. But, you know, I shook yeah. it off. I laughed about it and said, wow, that was, you know, I looked like a knucklehead. But, but let me ask you a question, though, dude. Did you yeah. falling and making the noise and face planting it, is that what scared him? Or did he see you go down and see the human there? No, he never saw me. But then I heard him round up bugle. After so, that, man, he was yeah. I, yeah he I never needed he I never heard. needed to bugle at that bull. Yeah, that was it exactly. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah because he, when he well, I didn't bugle at him. I bugled at it. I called his cows to me. Yeah, he he thought there was another bull in there. Yeah, he, yeah, and I just I went right. Him. I went I went right at him. I had good yeah. cover. Yeah, and I got between these trees, and I, I thought he was probably maybe fifty five to sixty yards from me mm-hmm. from where I heard him scream, mm-hmm. but. I mean, it was a commotion when I fell. You just everything just <laughs> went ass over tea kettle. Yeah. I, I oh, know. it was it was horrible. Did but you toss was, your bow? Did you huh? toss your bow? Did you toss your bow? Uh, no, because I had my it? bow and my sling. Oh, but, sure. you know, I was yeah. kablam. I'm looking like it. okay. Did I just? I was hoping I didn't jab myself with a broadhead. Either. Luis, I oh, think shit. one of them rock monkeys jumped up and grabbed yeah, his toe. He took it for <laughs> the team, man. He took it. No, for what ended up happening is my boots. <laughs> I checked my boots before I left. They were good. Four days hunting in a bunch of rocky stuff. Yeah. The heels started coming off my left boot. Ooh, oh, no, 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 you've done that. Yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, but you know what? I Eric, had the footage, but I, I shook I, it off. You know, I was like, hey, it happened. There's more animals in here. Let's keep chasing. I still got. I still you know, Eric brings I still up. have a plan. But, but I, I want to say, though, I really don't think your noise um is what scared him i i think he thought it was another bull just right there on top of more even two bulls starting to rest a little bit and he just figured he's going to get them girls to get out of there man yeah, really? yeah it might have been the case might yeah. been the case. i really i really feel the same way joey he hits on something though that's super important a lot of guys dwell on their defeats right or they dwell on the things that went wrong and we have no we have no opportunity to that be a positive thing for us as elk hunters, man. we got to have a real short memory yep. and take it and learn from it and flush it. Because I've watched some of our – even in our camp, I've watched some guys really dwell on things that I think hinders them from not being able to be aggressive or be active in their setups because they're worried about, well, what happens, what, what happens when I do have to draw? What happens when I do got to cut that arrow loose, right? I've had some, I've had some things go wrong in my setup. And I think that hesitation, you know, I played football and baseball and coached a long time. Uh, hesitation is the assassination of your dreams. I promise you, man. It, because when we hesitate and we don't believe in ourselves, 
it's really hard to execute your plan, right? And there's a there's a lot of guys that carry that failure with them where it's not ever a failure. It's a learning moment that you should be putting in that memory bank but not dwelling on the failures because we're out there hunting elk in their element. They're living every day with predators way more equipped to kill them than we are, right? So it's a it's a critter that we're out there trying to to outsmart, outwit, and put on the ground. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's extremely difficult, and, right? And, 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 and look, go ahead. I, I think I've been I've been there, Gilbert. Sure. And I think most importantly, uh, it's okay to dwell as long as it's a short process, and and as long as you overcome it and you use it to grow. I'm talking about know? guys carry it with them through their whole hunt. Exactly. Man. Exactly. And, and that is super difficult exactly. to get past and you to be active in that next setup. Cause listen, and it's not I easy. Mean, no, it's not. And it's, and I've lived it fellas. I mean, I didn't, I didn't walk in here killing, you know, 12 or 13 bulls in a row because that it was easy, man, you know, or 10 or 15 or however many it is, it, it is not. And I ran through a whole bunch of scenarios that that were wah, wah, wah at the end of the day, right? <laughs> I mean, serious. I, and I've been with Chad, and I've been with Joe, and I've been with RC and Carl Gammons. I mean, seriously, these guys have put me in the middle of scenarios where I messed them up myself, you know. But it's it's that confidence every time you get out there. And that's why RC said said something to me so early on in my elk hunting career. You gotta knock one down. When you knock one down, it gets easier from there because you understand the process and all of that fear, all of those mishaps, all of those things go away, right? And I'm he was just trying you. to get you to kill one, bro, because you kept passing and passing. He <laughs> kept passing them up. I just yeah, wanted I was one like, down. Man, you just, yeah. you just wanted yeah. to be done with this I guy. I just wanted man. one down. <laughs> he, he came with me and passed a couple, and I was like, "This is it." Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We gotta have a conversation, bro, because <laughs> it's, it, that is one hundred percent true. I'm not going to deny any of that. Uh, and and look, I was not going to let my mentor down. When we got the opportunity, man, I, I told him, I said, I promise you, first one gives me an opportunity, son, we're going to get it done. If I can't get it done for you, I'm going. I'm going to get it done. I promise you. So, so look, I mean, those, those instances breed such confidence in our hunting prowess, you know, and uh, you got to go through some adversity to get to the other side. Well, I want to, I want to ask RC because, you know, uh, RC's style and method on, on the ranch for, for years, wasn't a whole lot of calling. So you, you know, where you were RC and where, what you were experiencing being with Gilbert this year, you know, uh, how, what was your thought processing on that? How did you deal with that? And what did you think about that? The difference in that style? It was good. I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit I learned a bunch uh, stuff that I already knew, but way I didn't too, way too kind. I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah. All right. But um, again, you know, it was like, well, I think I would have done this, but let's see what happens. Let's play this out. And I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, it was really great. But I, as far as I was going to mention it a while ago, your aggressiveness is, is 
creating your shot. I mean, if you sit back and wait, you're not going to get anything done. You've got to create your your moment on your opportunity. Exactly. So that's, that is my aggressiveness is, you know, when I see elk, I'm going to do everything in my power, whether it's call, do the Mohican sneak in or whatever. I'm, I'm on that dude. I'm like a hound dog on a bear. Like a rat on a Cheeto. Where I I see it most of all is I don't think people have difficulty taking some kind of action when they see an animal, especially Mm -hmm. if they get eyes on it away. I think where people have a hard time with being active and aggressive is when they're not hearing or seeing an animal. And so they assume that there are no animals in the country, you know? And so what I, what I want to do with this is I, I want to talk about the levels and progression of aggressiveness so that people understand this in the different ways. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. So, um, like for example, how we locate, find elk, or bring elk from other areas. You know, that in itself, like a lot of people because there's a fence line and there's private property and you're hearing a party going on on the other side, they're going to come back to camp and say, all the elk are over there on the private property. Why right? didn't you throw your own party? Absolutely. So there are active aggressive acts that you can make to be able to bring those elk from that party to your party. 
all right, that you can do that. And we mm-hmm. talk about that when we do scenarios or, you know, when we're locating out, you know, a lot of people, the only type of thing that they do to locate and, and listen, when you're locating out, that means you're trying to see an elk or you're trying to hear an elk or you're seeing sign, fresh sign of the elk. That's how you're trying to locate them. Well, most people figure locating is only given a location bugle and getting a response. Whereas we are very active when we're moving through the woods or where we select to move through, whether it be a bedding area, whether it be a transition area, and we're doing a, a scenario of a, of a group of cows moving through the area so that those elk hear that and start moving in so that we can now see them, see them and we have found and located them, right? So we're active in that sense. Or like Luis talks about, you, you can be when it's totally quiet and you can actually inject rut activity into an oh, area. That's what I was going to say. You bet. Yeah, you that's can, what we were doing on our Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, time. yeah, you did this and you may not get anything today, but it was like when we'd go back, we had to go back a lot of times the same way. Right. And looky there, they were here last night. You bet. You know. Yeah. So. Well, you can even get, you know, elk that are being silent is because they haven't worked up that testosterone level. Yeah. And when they start hearing other elk that are, you know, that phase. are screaming, that are challenging, mm-hmm. that are in a rut fest, it gets them excited. Yeah. You yep. know? They want to be part of that party. Oh man, you know, I mean, they're herd critters. Have you ever watched? I don't know if you guys do this, but people that are watching a fight, (laughs) you're sitting there and all of a sudden the the person that's watching is like, you know, they're, 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 yeah. like, they're, yeah. they're moving their body, like, throw that punch, you know, like this, and they yeah. start moving, and, you know, to the jab and stuff. Man, yeah. watching, watching the movies, uh, Rocky with Rocky. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and I would be don't, just, don't I had a, I had a pillow and I was punching the pillow. While I was the Absolutely, man. And you get out there and you start making those sounds and doing those things and doing those rubs, you know, doing the raking and doing. That's elk hunting, Joe. It raises the level, man. Man. Oh yes, yeah. definitely. And and you, you know we had that happen where it it might not have happened that evening, it might not have happened next morning, but all of a sudden, man, elk start sounding off in the area. Number one, yeah. they've come to the area, mm-hmm. and now they're starting to sound off because they're advertising, "Hey, I'm here now. Where right. are you guys at?" Right. So, so that's an object. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, go ahead, brother. That's an aggressive. Yeah, that's an aggressive yeah. behavior, aggressive, I guess. Active behavior, active right? Behavior, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, one of the things I've noticed that we talk about this all the time and, and uh, we get to the certain point of either having the opportunity to kill the animal or the opportunity to spook it, okay? Right. But we don't talk what happens after we spook it. And, and I think that that's another thing I learned this year is that it's amazing how much you can get away with even after you spook the animal. That's, that's what Gilbert was talking about earlier. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because, you know, and, and, and I'm talking he was looking about for elk when he came in there. Well, and I'm talking about not just the same elk. I'm talking about yeah. other Others. elk that you have oh, not man, seen for sure, yep. you know? And so, sure. so when you, when you get into a situation like that, when you miss an opportunity, Manano shot this cow that was five feet in front of him. Right. And had that blew up incident. Right. 
And immediately after, these cows came back and walked in front of him when he was taking a dump. And immediately <laughs> after that, when we were trying to call these cows back, we got this bull coming from behind us, right? And yeah. this is after we made all this noise, noise, after him and I talked about what happened, after he was taking a dump. And they weren't and, quiet about and, it, I promise you. And yeah, and then we we're just we we're just on top of the ridge having this conversation. They're still around. So they're not only and, around, they're coming in. So and then they may be coming in as well. Yes. And that's what we talked about was it wasn't the magic of taking a dump, it was the magic of the time that time it took between to take it, the yes. dump after you yes. made sounds and animals got a chance to catch up to you, right? Yeah. So, Same way with our boat. There was something there was something, there was something in the air as well. I will say mine would attract mine would absolutely <laughs> what the bears <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, would, it would attract the vomit bears so let's talk about lies. let's talk about the progression uh, yeah. of of aggressiveness as well so we, we've talked about locating we've talked about in, injecting time of day when we hunt you know, yeah, so, well, or we're out there two hours ahead of time or we're yeah. out there at night after locating. So we are being active when most people are not being active. Again, that's that's an aggressive act. That's an act. We're being active in that and that we're not wasting time. We're utilizing the time we're hunting the hunt, man, and trying to ensure that the next day we'll have an animal that we can be on. Right. So that, that's another way. Um, so we've already talked about, like, most people think that when it comes to calls, that aggressiveness is the emotion, right? Whereas what we've said is the frequency and the use of them, right? Or using our scenario. So we pretty much talked about that. So that's another area right there. That's the progression and, and how we're, you know, finding, locating, injecting rut activity, the time of day that we're out there, how we're using our calls, when our calls, and that we're doing things to make animals come to us. Um, when we ignore or engage now, this is, I don't know that it's just a different kind of activity, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny, we can ignore a target bull, you right? Bet. We can ignore him because we don't call at him. We right. call within our own scenarios. Sure. That almost sounds like, well, if you're not calling at him, you're not being aggressive, right? Yeah. No, but, you know, we I are. I don't know that there's anything more aggressive than that slow play tactic. Uh, right? Yeah, or, or mean, a run fest yeah. or a an advertising fest. bull going yeah. up a ridge, you know, all of that, right? Yep. So now in that progressive, like you said, how we react to a response so many people will hear a response and they'll stay put and continue to call back and call and back and call. Right. And, and instead of, distance, yeah. yeah, instead of cutting that distance. Right. Um, you talked about moving to have the shot opportunity when we're there and making sure that we're going to draw or get in rifle position to be, be able to make that shot. So, I mean, all of these different areas are areas that we are practicing and being active and being aggressive. And again, it all comes down to that word risk, right? Yeah, and creating your opportunities, creating your opportunities, yes. right? With yeah. the, with the event of a risk, you so, got to risk things. So I have a question for you, Chav. I'm going to ask you this question. Thank you. Can you be aggressive when using a blind or a tree stand? Um, yeah, I suppose you can, um, you know, depending again, oh, what time of day, 
uh, you know, you can, you can act like there's a bull, you know, in the waller. Uh, and, uh, right. How, oh, you mean with, with call, the amount right. of time call, you stay right. in the blind to yeah. be aggressive. Uh-huh. And then using call calls to indicate that there's a, there's a, there's a group actually being active yeah. at a, at a water hole mm-hmm. or, or waller, you know, uh, I know the bulls that I encountered this year came in quiet. The cows came in quiet. Uh, but, but that was in the middle of a day type scenario where it was really, really hot. But uh, yeah, I think you, you can, depending on the situation. You know, I think uh, when Gilbert shot theirs, that was in a, close to a water hole, wasn't it? It was right in the middle of a water, right water hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, so somebody could have set up, you know, they could have been there early and just set up there and, and yeah. called them in. It was a hike, I can tell you that. You got to yeah. want to be there because it ain't, a, it oh, ain't yeah, an easy sure. spot to get to, is it, Joe? <laughs> so I think we've done a pretty good job of getting that point across, and and I and I really really hope our listeners understand that to us that not just being successful once, but consistently successful is because we are very active and aggressive in our actions to try to create opportunity and and that we're willing to blow things up rather than being passive and letting those opportunities go by us you know we're we're going to go run out in the middle of traffic we're not going to sit on the sidelines man so uh, kind of like cole wilkes you know, Cole yes. Will, he just jumps right in the middle of a mud puddle, right? And look, I wanted to say, too, that Chav's being aggressive, also blind hunting or stand hunting, is the amount of time you put in. Chav could have hunted there a couple of times and not seen anything and never went back and never would have got the opportunity because he was not being aggressive with staying with the plan, right? I think spending a lot of tremendous, if you're hunting water, you know, that midday hunt's going to be good. At some point in time, they are going to come find that midday and, uh, you know, be in there early in the morning, be in there late in the evening. I mean, I mean, Chap hunted there all day, you know, a couple of times. So, I mean, that's tough because it was cold in the mornings and then it gets kind of lonesome in the afternoons. But <laughs> you put your time in and look what happened. I mean, yeah. you got an opportunity, Chad. Man, sometimes right. we even got hung up on, you know, hauling elk down the mountain and stuff like that. And it would be nighttime and Chad would still be out there after being exactly. sitting there, being there yeah. all day. Yes. But uh, another thing I, I wanted to um, just let people understand, too, is like, you know, you you can be aggressive, but by running through the woods, just running and blowing stuff up, right? And and and, and look, that's you be stupid. You yeah. you will you will find elk and you will spook him for sure. Um, but then, but you can also be aggressive by doing that silently and still actively calling and listening, and then being able to just get close to them without blowing them up. Right. And yeah. so I, th- there is a difference it's between a dance, dude. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's a dance. Yeah, it really is. You got to you know. know yeah. You, and, and you start to get the rhythm of that. And, and it comes. It depends on the season, too, I suppose. Right. It depends on the mood of, of, of the elk and yeah, depends yeah. on the time of the year. It depends. Absolutely. Yeah. It what depends on the sign you're seeing. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Great. And there is a way to, there is a way to be aggressive, too, man. And, and what I mean by that is. 
if you're going to be aggressive and, and be active, you need to make sure that you that you're doing it in a way that you're not going to mess up and mess your scenario up. RC and I had a bull coming to us and these guys, these other hunters and look, man, we're hunting public land, right? So you're going to be around other hunters. They heard that bull, they dove off a ridge and when they, and look, they're being aggressive. They're using their feet to get in there on him. They heard him blow up down there. And then he heard us with our herd talk and they thought it was a big herd of elk with a bull in there. They dive off. But when they dive off the ridge, they got the wind right up their butts. So yeah. as soon as they dive off, the bull hangs up and he smells them diving up from behind him, man. Yeah. So when yeah. you guys are going to be aggressive, you got, that, right? Yeah. You got to understand what your rules of engagement yeah. are when you do that. It does, you got to know your wind. You that's gotta, so spot you on, win. man. Because yeah. I, I kept thinking when we're talking uh, uh, aggressiveness uh, right. this year with my bull, when we when we threw that location bugle and that bull responded and we noticed how close he was, yeah. the reaction immediately was check the wind, yes. cut the distance find an area where you can set up because we were exposed. We were in the open two, three. Absolutely. Yes. We didn't, we didn't have an area where to set up. So the first thing we did is we checked the wind. It's like, okay, we got to get into that, into that um, ravine. And we knew that getting into the ravine was already a bit close, but it was either we moved there or he was eventually going to get to us too quick and see us and, you know, and, and blow the whole thing up. So, I mean, those being aggressive is, and I wasn't aggressive on the calls. That was just the location bugle. And then I did a few cow calls when I got set up, but it was aggressive in the fact that, Hey, got to check the wind quick, got to react quickly, got to find a good place to set up. And then now be quiet and play your scenario. Our, our and, rules, our elk rule rules of engagement, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you follow. What would have happened if you yeah. just stayed in that clearing, man? He'd have, he'd have pulled up to that clearing and looked out there and not seen what he needed to yeah. see. You'd have never seen that bull again. Eric, what was that, bro? No, I agree. I think those are awesome points. I think um, one of the things you guys have discussed, given the, you know, the way you guys had to hunt this year, and, and, and along with myself, I didn't draw my wilderness area that I draw every year. I had to go to an area that I, I took some time to scout like you guys did. But I had I only had two mountain ranges. I had one range, and then it's all prairie. Another 15 miles, there's another range. So where I decided to start based on my scouting, um, I was real comfortable. I thought it was, that was going to be the place to go. But within two days, I realized that, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm not seeing animal. I'm not seeing sign. Oh, I there's, gotta, you know, I, I got to pack there's out, an and that's move. I had to make an aggressive. And and you guys yep. did the same thing. Yes, yep. great point, you know, man. That's super. Yeah, point. That's a tough. Great thing. point, yeah. Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were active in your decision making, being aggressive on you know, and and making those active decisions instead of being very passive and going. Well, I'll just keep pounding it here, and you end up, you know, trying to pounding sand. Yeah, you said. Yeah. yeah, you're just. Yeah. You find yourself hunting an area and trying to force it to happen where it's not going to happen. That was Man, awesome. and it's such a and it's such a tough call to make a move like that because it is. you guys were already set days. up. You guys were already yeah. you know had a camp in place, it all rigged Damn up, right. everything going. You know you had you know RC had the Taj Mahal going on. Yes. And, you know. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm gonna tell you what. When Joe Gilly walked back in that camp and he said, "Hmm, boys." <laughs> I don't know, but what I saw, I'm like, 
dude, this is no brainer. You know, I'm with you, bro. All he had to do was say that he thought that this was the right thing to do. And I knew exactly it was the right thing to do. We were, we were prepared for that. Our, our sure. goal was to be mobile. We yeah. already have multiple areas picked out. Right. We yeah. knew that if we were anything, we were going to move and we were prepared to do that. We would have done yeah. the same thing in the second area had yes. that not panned out, man. Yeah. So, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, exactly. and, in, and in essence, we kind of did because we abandoned some areas that, you know, when, once we put boots on the ground, figured out there wasn't a whole lot of traffic there. We saturated another area and got it done. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, that's what I was so, so happy about. And, and Eric makes a su- unbelievably good point is that you got to be aggressive in your approach too, and understand, man, when it's not going right, you know, we, we got to make changes, you know, absolutely. with, a, with an aggressive approach. Let's uh let's go to the Elk Bros mailbox, guys. Um, I, I hope everybody, if you have any questions on that, send them in. Remember, we need you guys. <laughs> let us know what you need to know. All right. So, um, uh, Eric, if you'll take the first one from Alex. Yeah, Alex Fidel out of Hume, Missouri. His question is regarding using a decoy on your setups. He says, I know everything is situational and can and will change with different scenarios, but as a solar hunter, would you rather set up your cow decoy behind you and throw your cow call back at it as a bull is approaching or use it for cover to close the distance like you've mentioned before? Additionally, allowing you to flick its ear, or give its movement to give the bull further confidence as there's a real cow in front of him. Um, he also says, also, if you have time, you've mentioned people will hike out past elk that meet half a mile or a mile off trailheads, roads, etc. With your experience in Colorado, do you think this still applies in the heavily pressured areas where there are tons of OTC public land hunters? Thanks again, Heck guys. Yeah. I've learned so much. So I'll take the first part. Um, I've got the um, the decoy that you mount on the front of your bow. Uh, it's the ultimate know, predator. Ultimate predator, yeah. yeah. And uh, I I had it on my hunt, so I used it in a couple of different ways. Um, I, I there were times I would mount it on my bow. Um, it just depended on the on, on my scenario. scenario, like yeah, exactly. Um, and then there were times that I let my partner uh, carry it. And he was, he was making sounds where I was being quiet up front and I was letting him do the calling and I was letting him keep that. So I would just remain distracted. I let him have that animal back there. He was making cow calls and bull yeah. sounds. But he's but asking as a solo, a as a solo, solo hunter. Though. Yeah. yeah. As a so solo I, as a, hunter, <laughs> I, I think yeah. all, yes to all of the above. It works yes. great. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It works yeah. Great. We had a Montana it. decoy that we used before, put it behind us, call back towards that decoy and have the bull come by us you know uh, i think it's a perfect scenario what i will tell you brother alex is if you use the predator decoy make sure you shoot with that boat with that yeah. thing on your boat make sure you practice <laughs> well, with it on your boat well, not just not just shoot with it but yeah. shoot multiple shots 100. take that first shot and then you got to draw again because you got to get in the habit because the first thing you're going to want to do is, is try, you got to run the arrow through. You'll slap the side of it and it'll drive you nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think, uh, I'm sorry, Joe, I, just real quick. I think, I think one of the things that he mentions here is he's solo. He's setting up the decoy behind him, throwing cow calls back, you know, as the bull is approaching. You know, ideally, you want to throw the cow call where the decoy is at and then move forward and set up and then be quiet. You know, that way that bull is concentrated back there. But no, obviously, what he's doing, 
Yes, yeah, not, not. But, but what? But depending on the situation, again, if he is yeah. in a situation where the bull is hung up and he needs to throw it back, I think that's perfect. I mean, I think that the, the scenarios that he's describing there is exactly, you know, how I, I would use a decoy. As a matter of fact, this year, I realized I wish I would have had one because there was a situation in which we, we came up into a bedded cow. And as soon as I saw her, I got on my knees. We had terrain blocking her view and Manana was behind me and I'm telling Manana, I was like, we got a cow down there 30 yards, she was bedded and her neck is, you know, is up looking straight at us. And there's no way I could get up there. I, you know, I was gonna try to get up and draw. I was gonna try to draw on my knees and then slowly get up and try to shoot. And then I asked Manano to see if he could go around and try to kind of make cow calls on that side to get her distracted when I got up. And it just, this whole thought process took a long time. And I think if I would have had a decoy, put it in front of my bow and then stand up and draw, I think I would have had an, an opportunity at that cow. So, yeah, where, where I would say though, is as a solo hunter, the difference between putting a, a decoy behind you and mm -hmm. having one on your bow is whether or not that setup is a static or a dynamic, dynamic setup. setup. Because right. if you're, if you're Very in an area point. where, you know, like Chad was saying with the blind, where you put calls out there and you have a decoy set, on that, you know, on that side for that, those elk to see as they come in and then move towards it. Or, you know, like, like Gilbert and I were in that area where it was an open park, they come to feed and we could put that decoy at the back to get their attention and have them walk by us. It works out very well, but to put a decoy behind you when you're in an active moving type of scenario doesn't work well at all because you have to be active and moving. So I leave now, the decoy behind. Yeah. yeah, if if that bull moves off, now you got to go back and grab your decoy, and now you're trying to carry that awkward turd, or you have to fold it up. You're wasting time. They're moving off. So <laughs> at, in, in that situation, I like it on my bow so much better that I can That's move through like that, right? So um, a static you get away with a lot, too, with that thing on your yeah. bow, Joe. When you got eyes on you from those elk, I've watched it. I don't know how many times. I mean, I called a bull back six or seven times for Brendan when uh -huh. he had that thing on his bow. But every time he'd hear us and he'd look over, he'd see that cow on the end of that bow, and he was like, "Well, hell, that, that's a real, that's a real yeah. elk. I'm gonna come back and see what's up. You know, why ain't she coming with me?" When, you know? when, when I can shoot at a bull twice, you know, actually, oh, yeah. you know, actually have him booger three times. Yeah, you know, so oh, with yeah. that decoy, that that tells you something right there. So. Uh, it's a, it's a great decoy. It really it is. is. Um, it chap, is. we, um, Alex, I hope that helped you there. Will you take David's mail? Okay. David Alvarez from Shelton, Washington. So we did get hey, Washington. Hey, Joe. Represented. Hey, chap, he had a, yeah. he had a second part to that question. Oh, okay. And oh, okay. I want an emphatic yes oh. to the second oh, part right. of his question. <laughs> are are we blowing by he's asking you mentioned people oh, like yeah. past the elk okay maybe half a mile or a mile off trailheads with mm -hmm. your experience in colorado do you think that still applies with heavier man i'm telling you where chav was where he was at camps weren't very far away and yes people were driving right by elk all he, the time he, he was he was 300 yards from a two trap yes 300, 300 yards from from a two track yeah, and, saw, and saw more elk than any of us there, than any of us combined mm -hmm. yeah. yeah there'll be more on some of this stuff coming up later so definitely yeah. <laughs> Good stories. Hey, okay we'll go over back to uh, dave alvarez uh hello elk bros i've been listening to your podcast 
podcast since the early 2020 and enjoying everything you guys put out. I am a new hunter, and this will be my second year hunting, knowing full well that boots in the ground and experience only comes with time. I'm trying to decide where to spend the little bit of money I have after tags or or gear or gear. So after tags on gear. Oh, on gear or head knowledge and maybe find a balancing between both. My first year out, my big purchase was a Kuyu backpack to help me to help me carry my load. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. This year I'm thinking about a good pair of boots or a tent at the same time. While I was out there, I did come to the harsh reality that I really don't have any woodsmanship skills or knowledge on how to find and stock elk in the woods. Base camp, base there, camp. <laughs> yeah, there's much I'll learn from the there's much I'll learn from the podcast, but I know that it's just scratching the surface. I know it's probably too late for me this hunting season, but I would like to hit year three hard. So where would you suggest I focus? And uh, P.S. Shout out to the Venezuelan mafia. Knowing there's more hunters of Latin descent has really been encouraging for me. Knowing I'm not the only one, because my friends and family don't understand why I pick up honey. <laughs> I bet they like to eat it, though, David. I bet they yeah, eat the heck out of it when they, they come yeah. over the house. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Gracias, so, David. So I, I, I want to I yeah, start with something here, and, and that is, is that you can kill two birds with one stone here, bro, because if you're already looking to get a good pair of boots or a tent, most people equate, and I don't, but most people equate a good pair of boots and a tent with most likely good pair of boots between three or $400, a tent that could cost you anywhere from 200 to $400 as well. So you're looking at dropping, you know, pretty close to a grand on boots and a tent right? Or at least like what, 600 bucks, right? 600 bucks on that. I mean, it depends. I mean, my, I wear a pair of pack, pack North pack boots that are very lightweight and mm-hmm. those boots cost me $185. They only lasted three years. I poked right. a hole in the daggum Gore-Tex in it. So look, I mean, it's 180 bucks. Uh, you know, I got a pair of Mondals that are $300. Soles came off of them. So at the end of the day, man, I have not had a sole come off the end of these North Face boots in three years. So uh, I'll probably buy me another pair of them. I've been real happy with them. Uh, You check them out. But I'm going to tell you the most important part, David, is that they're comfortable. That's the most important part and how well they fit your feet. And get your good socks. The point I want to make though, man, is that like I went into REI the other day and they have like, they always take like things and they have, what do they call it? Their garage sale, right? Right. That they yeah, do bargain stuff. bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So boots are something that, that you really got to make sure if that's what you're wanting, that, that, that works and is personal to you. Well, you take the tent, man. There's so many of these people that are selling used tents that are single man or, you know, whatever style you're looking for. It doesn't have to be new. There's a lot of people getting rid of that. Get on those different places on that Facebook um, store or or trading show on there, or you can get on Craigslist or you can get on uh, used stuff on there from some of these hunting communities. There's lots of places that you in backpacking communities, especially you can pick up a lot of this gear and stuff like that so what i'm saying is look um i think 
Corey Jacobson's course, if you use the term um, elk talk, you're going to get 20% off of his $99 going to cost you 70 bucks. You can get their course. Our course is 50 bucks. You can get that course. Go out there and buy something used on your tent. Get the daggum knowledge because you can go walk comfortable. <laughs> you can sleep comfortable. You can have an empty pack and not kill a daggum thing because you don't know where to go with it. You're going to sleep good and you're going to have good, comfortable feet, but you ain't going to see no elk if you don't work on your knowledge. <laughs> and your so, woodsmanship. And yeah. that's all covered yeah. in our base camp. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, look, I don't care if you get our course, if you get right. somebody else, if you go to the collect, it doesn't matter, man. In fact, I suggest to you, to get as much education and knowledge from people that are getting it done and all that other stuff will start to fall into place, man. In fact, all you got to do is, man, you start calling some relatives, friends, other people that you start finding in the community. You can borrow a lot of equipment that they're just not using this year. Yeah. And so, and, and David, absolutely. those boots, man, go try some on. I was at Shields in Fort Worth the other day. We were playing ball up in that country, and I went to Shields. They're the only ones around our area that carry crispy. Man, I've heard so much about crispy boots, right? So I had to go try me a pair on. Big O's feet are as wide as they are long. So at the end of the day, I'm a caveman, okay? And uh, my wife says I just need to get laces with the box and lace them up on my feet, and I'll be all right. But So for me, I went in there, and the widest boot they had, I ain't going to cut it, fellas. I put on a pair of 14s and it still wasn't wide enough. And, you know, I wear a 13 quadruple E and they just couldn't, they weren't going to fit my feet. So I'm not buying a pair of $350 boots that I got to go break in and hope they fit my feet. Ain't happening, fellas. Right. Yeah. So love crispy, man, but they don't make a wide enough boot for Big O. If they hear us on the podcast, hit me up, guys. And he's a freaking Aborigine, man. It's not like it, most human beings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big, O's got, Big O's got feet like a hobbit, man. I'm telling you, straight you go. up, Aragon. You right he is uh, 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 Solomon. Lord, Lord the thing, of the Rings there. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say to David is a great place to buy gear. Go to your local archery shop. Start yeah. talking to those guys because you got guys in there that like to spend money on stuff and they yeah. always got to have something new and they're always yeah. looking to get rid of last That's year's right. stuff. Good those idea. guys up. Yeah, and they're hunters, so they're going to know. They're going to give you the rundown on all that gear. Sure. Hit those guys up, man. They'll, they'll hook you up. And as far as the tent, man, anything says Cabela's on it usually was made pretty well. Uh, and they got really inexpensive, good tents that will keep you dry. Don't listen to Luis when he's in recommended tents. I can tell you that straight up. Because you'll have the Nile works. River running through yours. Uh, takes me five minutes to set it up and still works. <laughs> you just got a bad lemon. It's crazy. Uh, so, uh, no, I, I would check Salomon boots as well. Yes, good pair I've, of boots. I've, I've used those tried for a pair on. four years now, and, and they're just so good and durable. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Look, man, yeah, just uh, – just get out there in different places and there are a lot of discounts even like i said rei they have that garage sale section with a lot of tents a lot of times that, what what was the ceo rob canales uh sleeping in this year joe i'm not sure what the like a know, teepee, that was a man. neat little tent man it's like a teepee and it went up quick yeah yeah it's it's uh and i don't think it was big i mean it's a football oh, very I mean, lightweight yeah. yeah it just didn't have a floor so right just you know things could run underneath it 
Oh, yeah. really? It did not have a floor. No, no, no wow. floor. Wow, did not yeah. know that. But but he actually had a um a lightweight Storm. um you no, know, it was a lightweight type cot that took kept him about three inches down. It's one yeah. of those deals that just you know incredible lightweight. He had water running in there, never got wet, dude, because it, it went underneath that thing. So <laughs> you just gotta make sure that you don't leave stuff on the floor. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you ain't hunting that thing in this country down here, Joe. Let me tell you, <laughs> no shoulders will come find you in that tent. Snakes, yeah, no shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, you don't know, want that. They, What's a no, a no shoulder? What's a no shoulder? Snake, snake. <laughs> oh, baloney, dude! You, oh, you I, say baloney. You ask Luis. He's been with me every time. Dude, Luis we, goes with me. We, we, we sleep oh. out. On, we sleep out on the ground. Um, yeah, man. It's because you're at ten thousand feet, and ain't none of them critters oh, up here. Oh, you don't oh, have none of them poisonous ones, man. But, I, but I'm talking to somebody who's going elk hunting, not going pig hunting in Texas, man. For sure, for sure. You know, so yeah. that's okay. I just still, you know, I just kind of facetious about stuff like that man i don't like <laughs> stepping on them seeing them hearing them i just don't like them i'll never <laughs> forget I'll, I'll never forget uh chad one time i asked joe we're going across a real famous area rc knox will know where it is and it's a big open park and we're walking across there and i look at him and i said joe you don't have any snakes up here he says no man it's too high it's too cold if snakes ain't up here I hadn't walked three feet and a big long garter snake rock runs right across my foot. I'm like, Joe, you just said there were no snakes up here, man. He snakes goes, to worry oh, about. Yeah, it's what he said, about. snakes to worry about. Yeah, well, then I and- find out from Chav, he gets bit by a rattlesnake down there in Cimarron. I'm like, look, man, that's, you know, another 3,000 feet and that snake's up there with us. So you know, I, 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 even for me in New Mexico, I've seen snakes all the time. Like there was one when we were looking for the bear, almost ran over my foot. Then there was another one when we were looking for my uh, for my spike on that log. Is scare the crap out of me, man. I just don't know what it is about snakes. Out there, New Mexico is full of snakes. Do not oh, yeah. go. don't come to don't New Mexico. Come, Do not show up in New Mexico, especially because there's especially lots of the snakes. Southern half. Oh yeah, yeah. the Gila's gnarly. Oh, the Gila's looking. Yeah, oh, the Gila monsters. The Gila monsters and rattlesnakes. Yeah, over here, the Gila monsters are horrible. We're losing all. Gilbert, We're losing control, out. Joe. <laughs> Go ahead and close us out, Gilbert. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please, please. subscribe. Please subscribe, rate and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And you got to check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, please send us your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk. <laughs> and for all our grinders, here he is. More music from our brother, Mr. Tony Wintrup. <laughs> peace, peace. Love in the house. <laughs> I wasn't raised in Tennessee, but I've always loved to sing. The legend of Willie Swamp, yes, my brother and me. Learned to play the air guitar And play drums on the dash of a Ford And cook on an open fire In the great outdoors I stacked wood on Soaky Road 
like my grandpa Kate and split Yeah, five bucks went a long way when I was a kid I had dreams of being a star Living on an open road With a cowboy hat on my head Now I'm looking for a pot of gold I knew the best holes on the river I kept them under my lid Just the same way that my grandpa and my daddy did They done told me right from wrong I'll only take what you need And it'll be here all your life, son Just waiting and see Oh, I'm just an ordinary, average country dude I work hard for a living even though I wasn't raised the same as you I got country pride, so deep inside, yet yeah, tonight I'll tip back a few I guess I'm just an ordinary, average country dude Tuning to Hunt Stand presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.